they really have a lifetime worth of tooth to use up. That's the length of their teeth is what determines the, the length of their life, essentially. So those teeth will just wear down, continue to erupt until they've used up everything they have. And when they get to that point, there is just a small, short amount of, of chewing surface left and a short root that's left. So uh, that's really why our horses get, when they're old, why they lose weight and they get thin, and that's really what determines the length of their life is how long they can eat and chew. So uh, we'll kind of go through all of the reasons that we float their teeth to really essentially help maximize their lifespan and keep them healthy all throughout their life. All right, guys, welcome back to Riding to Excellence. Today, I have Allie Late with me. Hey, Allie, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. So Allie is our equine dentist. Uh, she's also a registered veterinary technologist that works out of Energy Equine at both locations. She was raised in a rodeo and ranching family in southern Alberta, and her lifelong involvement with horses has resulted in a career as a barrel racer, fraternity trainer, and obviously equine dentist, which is what she's talking about today. Allie is a graduate of the Texas Institute of Equine Dentistry in Weatherford, Texas. She was instructed by master certified equine dentist Randy Redinger. Uh, Redinger. Redinger. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, I think I got that wrong. Allie uses a combination of manual and power tools to achieve dental equal, equil- equilibration. Wow. Yeah. I'm really, really sucking here. It's been a minute since I've been <laughs> on the podcast. All horses are sedated to minimize stress as well. Allie works closely with Energy Equine and she's available in clinic Mondays at our North location and Thursdays at our South location. Obviously the horse's mouth plays a huge role in their over- overall health and performance. We're going to be talking about that lots today and proper dental care is a very important part of every horse's maintenance program. So we're going to dive into dentistry from top to bottom, but first off, Allie, yeah, how did, kind of like give us a bit of your story in your own words. How did uh, you get started in equine dentistry? Okay, well, I, um, it wasn't my, I guess my original career right out of high school. (laughs) Um, I actually started out doing, uh, I took fashion design in college the first time around, and um, I actually had a custom sewing and design business, so I did that for about four or five years, um, right out of out of high school out of college the first time around but I mean the horses were always well, like part of my life from the get-go so I was still actually riding outside horses and training while I was doing that as well and um so my husband is a bareback rider and he uh we had a friend from Colorado that was a bareback rider as well that was rodeoing in here in Canada um the the summer of, I guess, 2008, and his fiance at the time was an equine, equine dentist. So while they were here during Calgary Stampede, uh, that week my mom was teaching a braille racing clinic in Nanton, so just an hour down the road, and I had Amanda come and uh, kind of give a lecture about teeth, like to kind of teach the students at the clinic why the uh, why doing floating their teeth was important. Mm-hmm. And uh, she ended up working on some of the horses at the clinic that day. And I just spent the day helping her, holding the horses for her. And she let me uh, have a look and a feel in all the horses' mouths and explain what she was doing. So that was my first, like, I guess, real introduction to it um, beyond just we had, uh, I remember my mom having our horse's teeth uh, floated like when kind of off and on. They maybe didn't all get done or done on a regular basis, but I remember her taking them to, um, actually Todd Williams used to do my mom's horse's teeth a long time ago. And uh, 
But I, I, I knew it was something that we did, but I didn't understand why or the importance of it. So mm-hmm. the day that I spent with Amanda was really like my, my first education um, to it. So, um, so that was pretty cool. I spent the day with her then. And then um, actually then her, her husband qualified for the Canadian finals that year. So when they came back for the CFR, we lined up a few days prior to the finals that they, they stayed with us. And we did another couple days worth of teeth kind of for some friends of mine in the area. Uh, so I got to be your assistant for a couple of days. And that would have been like November of 2008 and January 2009. I headed to Texas and um, went to the yeah Texas Institute of Equine Dentistry. So um, that kind of got me started the uh that was a a one-year program that's kind of set up in a continuing education sort of um, framework where you go two weeks at a time spread out over the year um and adds up to about 300 hours of Mm -hmm. of education I guess so um that's where I got started so then um when before I even left to go to school I had called um Dr. Hewlett I called Chad uh, to get some information about the, you know, how things work with the dentistry and the veterinary industry and, and, um, just was doing my homework before I headed down there. And, uh, it actually was kind of coincidental that at the time Chad said that, uh, I'm really glad that you're calling me because I don't want to do teeth anymore and I want <laughs> someone to refer all my work to. So, um, right before I, like before I even headed to school, then we, kind of started our relationship a partnership then so um even halfway through my schooling uh through that summer of 2009 then I started doing the dentistry for Chad in his practice mm-hmm. and um uh, just kind of I've been been here since then I've ever since so I'm kind of a lifer around here yeah like really but, a lifer <laughs> yeah which was it was been really Lived through fun. multiple clinics <laughs> exactly I've got to see like a, a huge evolution of energy equine so when I, when I started doing teeth with Chad, um, he was all ambulatory, just worked out of his truck, and he had one technician and a little Jack Russell dog. <laughs> and so I was really like the first, I guess, team member mm-hmm. of, of Energy Equine. And, um, and that, that was a great part about working like with this practice as Chad's had uh, totally embraced like uh, a team approach to mm-hmm. his practice right from the beginning so um I was kind of the I guess the first the first ride along for a while there I was Chad and Sarah and me in the back seat so um that's how I got really was able to get my practice started too um was really fortunate that I kind of stepped into a full clientele right off the bat and um and there's clients that that I still you know do teeth for that we started 12 years ago so it's been been really cool to see the whole the the growth of the clinic and practice uh as a whole so Mm -hmm. and so where does the technologist come into everything too Allie right so um I graduated from all those letters behind your name (laughs) right yeah I guess the uh, graduated from the dentistry school uh February 2010 and then um with Chad's strong encouragement (laughs) and support then I started uh went to Olds and took the um, animal health technology program I did the online application that was maybe the first year that they started maybe first or second year that they offered to do the the vet tech program online so I started doing that in July of 2010 
So right, um, right after the dentistry school, then went into the animal health technology, um, more so for to to really just to support what I was doing with the teeth too, mm-hmm. and so that was the, the full two year program there. So graduated from the old program in 2012, and. Um, then I've, I guess have I have the ability at least the option to kind of step in and help at the in the clinic when need be as a vet tech as well. But I mainly just do teeth. Yeah, I'm, yeah. The dentistry comes first for me, but but have the I've I've kept up with my my certification and uh, with membership with the ABVMA, so I do have a vet tech certification as well. Mm-hmm. And then how does it work for you uh, working with veterinarians like? Because I know that there's obviously vets that float teeth, and then there's equine dentists. So how does that yeah. how does that work? It um, well, there's a few different vet clinics that I actually work out of mm-hmm. now, and um, some practices that have been totally welcoming, uh, you know, of me to to do my have clients meet me at their clinic, and and uh, they like provide the sedation mm-hmm. and sedate the horses for me, and then the clients can meet me there. So there's um, it it really just depends on the veterinarian and their practice, like how they how they prefer things to be done because some some vets just prefer not to do the teeth themselves or they mm-hmm. have other focuses um within their practice that they want to you know spend their time on so um so there's actually three four different clinics that I work out of regularly mm-hmm. and um so it it kind of just gives me a another option a place for clients to meet me and yeah, which is yeah. awesome. Don't have yeah. to work in cold barns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for All sure. the time. Sometimes, maybe. Yeah. So why do we float horses' teeth? Like, why don't wild horses need their teeth floated? It's, um, that's, like, probably the... Number one. Number one, like, the biggest question I get asked mm-hmm. uh, is it, why, you know, if, if we have to do this all the time, then how do wild horses survive? So the horse's mouth is really designed to self-maintain. Like, it's... It's actually pretty amazing the way like the way God designed them was to to graze all day long like an average of sixteen to twenty hours a day uh, all throughout their life so they're spending almost all of their time with their head down on the ground nipping grass chewing all day long so there's some major differences uh, with the horse's teeth compared to ours that we probably need to understand right off the bat to to you know explain why we're actually filing a horse's tooth yeah so their tooth is is really composed of the same substance that ours is but just in kind of a a different order so we have uh, cementum dentin and enamel in our teeth Uh, the cementum and dentin are fill in the inside and uh, our teeth are coated in a layer of enamel on the outside to protect kind of the inner structures so a horse has those three substances but they're kind of woven together like a cinnamon roll. Is <laughs> the, the easiest way I can describe it. They have um, a band or a ribbon of enamel that will weave back and forth across the tooth and runs the whole depth of their tooth. And then cementum and dentin fills in between those folds of enamel. So their tooth is actually designed to gradually wear down a little bit every day as they're chewing. And then they have a lifetime worth of tooth set down in their jaw and up in their skull that we don't see when we look inside their mouth so that every day as they chew and the chewing surface is gradually wearing away that reserve crown or the the tooth hiding down in their in their jaw will slowly erupt and come up to take it the place of the tooth that's been worn away so um the 
I guess those the folds or ridges of enamel are really there to you know create a, a good grinding surface to grind the food up, shred the food up, um, and then it's the hardest substance in their body, harder than bone. So it's uh, it takes quite a lot of abrasion for that enamel to get worn down. And then the cementum and dentin are softer substances that will wear away a little faster. So as the cementum and dentin wears, those folds of enamel are exposed. So that creates like a, a little ridge on the surface of each tooth. And there's two to three ridges on each molar that gets exposed as they chew. So that will create like a... I guess a corrugated type of pattern mm-hmm. from front to back throughout the, the horse's mouth. And when they're chewing in a natural position, their head is down on the ground, their jaw will actually slide forward and all of their teeth match up. They line up one over top of the other. All, both the incisors at the front and the molars through the back um, will all be aligned so that when they're chewing with their head down, they're getting some natural wear on all of the teeth uh, in an even like amount of pressure. So the forward-backward movement of their jaw is actually really essential to the balance of their mouth. That, that forward movement when their head drops and the rearward movement when their head lifts is what keeps the teeth wearing level from front to back. So it kind of like grades the teeth. Now the, the side-to-side movement will help keep the points from getting too sharp on the edges. Uh, this is really hard to explain without using my hands, and I realize they, they, I talk a lot with my hands and realize people listening can't really see what we're talking about, so I'll try to use my words. You're doing best, a good job. I'm, as best I'm, as I'm really, The cinnamon roll analogy is a great one. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. <laughs> and uh, so the um, a horse will only chew on one side of its mouth at a time, and the jaw will move down to the side and then back up to center and make a, a circular motion with his jaw. And and they'll they'll chew evenly on each side, but they have to take um, you know take turns one side to the other chewing. So as that jaw is moving in a circular motion and moving side to side, that's keeping the teeth worn even from side to side. And the when when a horse is chewing normally and naturally, uh, the lower molars are narrower than the upper molars. So they're working back and forth. The lower teeth will work back and forth against those upper teeth um, to shred the food and grind. And so kind of like a mortar and pestle type scenario, but upside down. Mm-hmm. So the when the jaw is moving freely side to side and forward and backward, the teeth are being worn on an even angle. The edges are, are worn uh, evenly and the chewing surface will have some ridges exposed, but not to an extreme amount that we see in our performance horses. Um, and I'll explain how that happens here in a little minute. But the that that natural, I guess the other side of that that I, I don't want to skip over is that every bite that a horse takes when he's grazing, he'll nip with the front teeth and then the food is moved further back uh, along the row of molars. And it's really like a conveyor belt. The way that their cheeks and tongue work side to side will help the food stay on the row of teeth and moves it along from front to back. And the further the food moves along, the finer it gets ground up. So it's by the time they swallow it, it's like baby food back there. It's just mushed up to, mm-hmm. to hardly anything. And the, uh, that movement of their cheeks and tongue, we call that axial flow. So the, the tongue will move in a circle in the opposite direction of the jaw. 
And so the cheeks and tongue are constantly working back and forth against the teeth to move the food along. And that's also what keeps their teeth clean. So I get that question a lot too. Like, why don't we need to clean our horse's teeth? Right, like a human, like floss. Yeah, floss. And and, uh, and often because the the incisors are actually have a thin layer of cementum on the outside rather than enamel like our teeth they'll stain really easily so when we lift up our horse's lip and the teeth look brown or you know some little black staining along there um that's often the first reaction from the owners is that oh no his teeth are dirty like we we should clean them we need to do something about that and that's actually just a natural process of the the staining from the minerals and things that they eat um but that natural movement of the cheeks and tongue keep the food moving along it keeps the gums healthy keeps the food from packing in between the teeth and uh keeps the everything clean essentially so when we have a naturally functioning balanced mouth they should be able to chew to their maximum potential the mouth stays clean there's no disease and it's really designed to kind of Mm self-maintain um because those teeth are gradually wearing down a little bit every day they'll get anywhere between three to seven millimeters of wear through the year so it's a, just a little bit of a gradual process all day long, all throughout the year. And the they really have a lifetime worth of tooth to use up. That's the length of their teeth is what determines the, the length of their life, essentially. <laughs> so those teeth will just wear down, continue to erupt until they've used up everything they have. Mm-hmm. And when they get to that point, there is just a small, short amount of of chewing surface left and a short root that's left. So uh, that's really why our horses get, when they're old, why they lose weight and they get thin, and that's really what determines the length of their life is how long they can eat and chew. Hmm. So uh, we'll kind of go through all of the reasons that we float their teeth to really essentially help maximize their lifespan and keep them healthy all throughout their life. Wow, that's really cool. I've never... um... First of all, I thought that I kind of knew something about teeth. I've never, <laughs> the cinnamon analogy has blown my mind. I'm like, wow, I've learned a lot in that little last couple yeah, of minutes. Bit. But yeah, that's so interesting that it's like, yeah, I mean, you see x-rays of like heads and it's that huge, massive tooth like hidden underneath the under surface. Under the gum, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, to dictate kind of their lifespan and their health as they get older. Yeah. So they're um, like, really what we're trying to do is, is prolong their life, keep the the lifespan of that tooth, I guess, wearing as evenly as possible so that they get, um, you know, the most, from a health perspective, are getting the most out of the tooth that they have. Totally. And so we want to keep things balanced as best that we can. They're, I find like their their mouth is almost a bit of a mystery to us because we don't, from the outside anyway, uh, because we don't get to see it their mouth or see their teeth on a daily basis. So we can see their feet when they need to be trimmed. We we see their coat and we can tell their health condition from the outside. But uh, as far as their teeth go, there can be a lot going on inside their mouth that's abnormal that we don't know about until we open up and have a look. And usually by the time that we see changes on the outside, um, a drop in their, their weight or their coats looking dull or they're not chewing properly, we see them dropping their feed. Any little signs that tell us something's not right with how they're chewing, usually by the time we see it on the outside, it's been going on for a long time inside their mouth and has created a, a pretty serious problem that is takes uh, like usually several uh, 
several appointments to correct if we're able to. And mm-hmm. often when we see that change on the outside, we've already had some disease process started inside their mouth. Right. So the whole, uh, I think, approach that I really want to get across is that we're trying to take uh, like a prophylactic uh, approach to the dentistry so that we're preventing any disease. We're we're keeping things balanced before there's a problem and in, an imbalance in pressure through their mouth, so that we're we're staying one step ahead and keeping them healthy. Totally. Um, and then we we don't have to make big changes in their mouth. We don't have to you know kind of change chase the problems as they appear. We want to stay kind of one step ahead and keep their mouth healthy so that mm-hmm. everything on the outside stays healthy too. Yeah, definitely. And I mean that that's a great adjunct to the next question like how often do I need to have my horse's teeth floated so I think um we're really going to talk about things from a performance horse perspective because that's I think 90 percent of the the horses that we see um at energy equine are performance horses of varying disciplines and there's it really doesn't matter what job our horse does we can help them a lot by keeping their mouth balanced properly Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can do their job comfortably and there's definitely that health perspective of the dentistry but when we talk about things from a performance perspective there's a few things we can do in uh, like what we call dressing the teeth rounding the edges and uh, giving them a bit seat I'll explain that in a little minute and balancing the incisor pressure that that really helps keep those horses comfortable when we're riding them and doing their job. So when they're eating on a daily basis, they, they is from a health perspective, we want to make sure that they're chewing properly and and staying healthy. But performance-wise, we are manipulating their all the tissues in their mouth. The, the movement, whether we use a bit or a hackamore, they're being a colt to start it in a halter. It doesn't matter what we're doing, what we use to, you know, control their direction. Um, we're still manipulating their jaw and their cheeks and their tongue. So there's a few things we can do to help those horses stay more comfortable. So as far as how often we need to do this, um, that's really, that depends on how much that horse actually, I should back that up. It depends on the environment that the horse lives in. Right. So the main reason we need to float their teeth is just helping them do what they can't do on their own when they don't, when they're not wild horses, when they don't graze 24 seven all throughout the year, which when we live in Canada, that's like rarely impossible. Anyway, yeah. 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 Um, they're, they're going to be eating hay at some point of the year, if not year round. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, when the horses eat hay, they can just pick it up with their lips, but they don't have to nip with their incisors. Right. And then they're, the, the hay will move back and they'll chew side to side. But any of our horses that we have, you know, that we keep in a stall or in a corral or um, they're, they have some limited uh, grazing time, they're going to spend more time of the day with their head raised than lowered to the ground. So the jaw is actually slid backwards a little bit. And if they just pick their hay up with their lips and chew side to side, they tend to chew in the same spot on like the same pressure of the tooth side to side all day long. So those little folds of enamel start to interlock. And as they chew side to side, those grooves get worn a little bit deeper. The grooves between the enamel ridge will wear deeper and that enamel ridge gets exposed higher. We get a more severely corrugated pattern happening to the horse's tooth. 
And the, so like the sharp points that people talk that's about. That's where the sharp points will mm-hmm. develop. So at every point where the enamel folds back and forth on the edges of the teeth, that's where a sharp point will mm-hmm. develop. And they're not if they're not getting the same amount of forward-backward movement they would if they're grazing all day long, then because the rear the jaw is slid rearward a little bit and um, and they're chewing side to side in the same spot, the very back portion of the the lower molars is lacking some opposition and wear and we see a little point or hook form back there and the same thing will happen on the the first molar on top Um, so now we have this little overhanging point and that's interlocking with those ridges that are being exposed through the teeth and that's starting to limit the the forward backward and a little bit of side to side movement of their jaw Mm -hmm. so now as those sharp points get exposed along their cheeks they don't want to chew side to side as as far as they should to grind their food properly because the cheeks start to get drug against the sharp points on the edges. So that often tends to, to cause the horse to chew maybe up and down more than side to side. And now those outer edges of those upper molars aren't really getting worn away properly because mm-hmm. the bottom tooth isn't sliding all the way across. So now those enamel points on the edges are even more advanced uh, become sharper so now the horse wants to protect his cheeks and chomp up and down a little bit more um, starting to pack some feed between his teeth or the food can no longer move like freely like it does like a little conveyor belt along the the molars so then that limits the amount of um, like chewing function and efficiency but also creating an imbalance in pressure through the molars um, also due to the fact that they're not nipping with the incisors all day long and keeping that pressure worn even with the molars. Mm-hmm. So when we set kind of a time frame for when we should float the horse's teeth, uh, once we're after their first correction, then usually in a six to eight month t- time frame is ideal to do a, a touch up or a refloat or a checkup on them at least mm-hmm. to keep the edges smooth and make sure that those enamel ridges aren't too exposed and um, just prevent any of those little hooks and problems from showing up mm-hmm. and really I think the the frequency of floating their teeth is going to be directly related to how much they get to graze uh, so those horses that are really you know restricted to to paddock or box stall or um, just live in a corral most of the time if we can help them with uh, like reducing the pressure of their incisors maybe trimming the incisors a little bit and balancing the pressure through their molars as well as keeping all those sharp points under control mm-hmm. then that horse is staying comfortable and we're we're encouraging a natural balance of the horse's mouth now in the case where a horse has maybe gone like several years without having his mouth checked when we get a little bit of change in pressure, a lack of use of the incisors, um, the sharp points on those molars are more exposed, and we get the hooks that tend to develop at the back of their mouth, once that pattern starts, it's going to continue, continue. to advance. Yeah. So those problems get larger, the points get sharper, and uh, we see like over time a little bit of disease process start along the gums as well. And so in that case, it often takes two to three corrections um, spaced over anywhere between a three-month to six-month time frame in between corrections to get that mouth balanced again. And so the best, I often ex- uh, 
use the analogy or, or compare it to trimming their feet because that's something that we can see, see. on a daily basis. But um, if when we have a horse's foot that's gotten way too long and, and same thing, out of balance and a lack of wear, then we might have to trim that horse every, you know, three or four weeks and make small changes for a time period until we can get allow that hoof to, to grow and, and wear, you know, in a more natural um, and in a natural pattern, I guess we'd say. Uh, so the same thing goes with the horse's mouth. If we've got some severe problems, we might need to make small corrections every three to four months uh, to get that horse back on a normal program uh, without making too much of a change all at once. And Mm -hmm. then once his mouth is balanced, then we can go back to his, you know, six to eight month checkup. And once we get over the age of 10 um, or even into the teenage years, then there's a slower eruption of the teeth and those teeth become harder as well. So once we have a, you know, a nice balanced mouth, then we can often go closer to a year and give them more time in between floating. But Mm -hmm. that's all going to depend on, you know, the age of the horse, what he's eating and, and his environment. Yeah, so much more. I mean, traditionally, I think most people think of like, you know, six to twelve months, or depending on the age of their horse. Yeah, or maybe but, uh, like one one year, two year, every other year. Maybe yeah. I hear that a lot. And if that horse was just kind of living in the pasture, and we ride him every once in a while, and we want to make sure that the sharp points aren't poking him when mm-hmm. we ride him, then that might be sufficient. But when we're talking about the performance horses that mm-hmm. actually aren't in that environment, and we're you know, doing a lot more to manipulate the tissues in their mouth when we ride them, then it's not always a matter of, you know, grinding their teeth all level. We're, we're really just wanting to keep those edges rounded and, and make sure that we have a nice even molar table and an even balance of pressure between the incisors and molars so that, you know, that horse's range of motion of its jaw is is as natural as possible Mm -hmm. and maximized and he's comfortable doing his job and eating properly to keep his his condition up so um i think it sometimes i feel like i'm the one that's you know saying that the world is round instead of flat because Mm -hmm. that's been the 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 common conception for so long that we you know maybe every other year we'll should knock some sharp points off yeah (laughs) Um, it i think um when we get to actually see inside the horse's mouth and ex- and uh, understand you know how it works and how sharp those edges can get, then doing a f- you know more frequent kind of touch-ups on them mm-hmm. is gonna just help stay one step ahead instead of having to make big corrections when the problems start. So totally. And so you kind of touched on this. So let's say my horse is turned out. I'm not riding him. Um, does he, does he need his teeth done? Does he really need his teeth yeah. done? Yeah. So the ideal scenario is... Can I do it one every five years? Or <laughs> right, exactly. Um, the, I think an ideal scenario is if we can, if, if a horse is being turned out for the winter or maybe he's getting a whole year off and, and he's not being ridden, um, if he actually gets to get turned out to pasture and gets to graze, right. the ideal situation is that we do his teeth before he gets turned out. We make so sure everything's balanced. as balanced as possible, working, um, functioning as as good as possible. So when he's out grazing, he's actually like 
maintaining on his own. Uh, but if there's some problems in the mouth to begin with, even if he's out grazing for the rest of the year, he's not able to really make those corrections himself. So if there's a hook at the back of his mouth, that's limiting the forward movement of his jaw. And that sharp hook is actually getting larger the more that he chews, start gets to the point where it's rubbing on the roof of his mouth um, behind that upper molar. And any tooth that gets longer than it should be is going to overpower or put more pressure on the opposing tooth. So once we have a little high spot, it's going to create a, a, I guess, excessive wear on the opposing tooth, making that one a little bit too short. And then the longer tooth continues to erupt and gets longer. So once we have that pattern starting, the, even if he's out grazing, he's actually making we the problem worse. bigger over time. So when we can correct that issue first and then turn him out to pasture, then he's maybe he could go the whole rest of the year and stay pretty healthy. And um, if he's not being ridden, then we don't, you know, maybe not worrying about the little details as much that we, we do with our performance horses. But um, I think if it's, it really is ideal if we can help them out like before, before they're kicked out and mm -hmm. not being ridden. And it's because it's a maintenance, a, a general maintenance of their health and the balance of their mouth that, it's really like trimming their feet again. If even though we're not riding our horses, we still need to help them out to do what they can't do on their own. So, you know, we still trim their feet when they totally. get time off. Same thing with their mouth. We still want to check up and make sure things are healthy. Yeah. And it's, it's actually happens more often than you'd expect that we'll maybe open the horse's mouth that, you know, we haven't seen a year or two and he looks really healthy and he's shiny and, you know, keeping his weight on, but we'll find maybe a cracked or fractured tooth where right. the, the feeds getting packed up in the center of it and it's creating uh, leads to some abscess or a major health issue that you can't tell by looking at him on the outside but mm -hmm. till we you know have a look in there then there's a lot of things that kind of go unnoticed or undiagnosed yeah no definitely and so I think too for people like you watch like you hear like you know the machines and stuff and you see like the teeth be quote-unquote grinded so I'm sure a question that gets asked a lot is that you know, if I have my horse's teeth floated too often, won't it wear them out too soon? Like if mm. you're doing it every, like these little rechecks that you every talk about? Every six months? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think that's probably, um, it's, it's a really good question because there's maybe the misconception that when we're floating their teeth that we're just grinding all of the teeth yeah. level or flat or shortening everything. And that's really not the case. So what we want to do when we're, when especially when we're doing frequent checkups on them, is just making sure that any portion of tooth that should have been worn away on its own that right. hasn't, that will, that's what we want to correct. So we may have to file, um, you know, uh, several of the teeth to, to correct the height, or if those enamel ridges are getting too large, we might have to reduce the height of that enamel ridge, but uh, we're only wanting to do for him what what should have been only take away, I should say, or file what should have been worn away on its own mm -hmm. over time if he was in a natural environment. So, um, and sometimes it's more the case of not necessarily filing the, the entire chewing surface as just as much as keeping those edges rounded and smooth so they're not rubbing on his cheeks and or on the tongue. Mm -hmm. it's, it's sometimes it's just a really, you know, minor correction that we're doing. So, actually the when we can do their teeth you know more frequently we're we're really trying to prolong the life of that tooth so especially in that situation where um let's say the 
the a lower molar is getting too tall. It's not really getting worn away at its natural rate and it's putting too much pressure on the upper molar. Now upper molar is trying to keep up with the amount of wear that it's getting. So essentially the long lower one is being uh, preserved and the upper one is getting worn away at almost twice its natural rate. If that's allowed to go on for too long, it actually gets to the point where that upper molar gets worn, worn out or used up you know, prematurely. Mm -hmm. So that horse might be only 16 years old, but because of that excessive pressure over the last, you know, five or 10 years, if his teeth hadn't been corrected, then that upper molar is used up. And once that tooth is, is used, there is nothing left to take its place. So now we have a missing tooth that really should have been there for another five years. And uh, then once a tooth is missing, the, that opposing tooth will continue to erupt until it has pressure on it. So it'll get to the point where we have uh, a preserved long bottom tooth maybe rubbing on the roof of his mouth eventually, and that upper tooth completely worn away. Now, if if we need to you know, come across that situation and we need to correct or you know, shorten that tooth that's too long, well, now we have to do that in, you know, several corrections and and make a significant change to that horse's mouth to kind of restore that pressure and balance inside his mouth, but he's always going to be missing that upper tooth that got worn away. Mm -hmm. So when we're doing um, small corrections on a frequent basis, we're really trying to just ensure that the the rate of wear of those teeth is as level and natural as, as is even, I mean, and, and natural as possible so that we're really like prolonging the life of that tooth. So the, I think it's, you know, to answer that question, like a little less more often is going to be way better than in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Totally. And so then you touched on younger horses. What age should I be bringing a young horse in? Two, three? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, when when, when should we start? Yeah, when do we start floating? Yeah, I I usually recommend that, um, you know, in their, before they're being started to be ridden is ideal because we want to check to see if he has wolf teeth. Uh, often the, you know, when the colts are gelded, then they the wolf pulled, teeth are yeah. taken out, but the fillies would never really check in there unless until they get their teeth floated for the first time then we're checking for some wolf teeth and um that wolf tooth is it's really just like an evolutionary remnant of a little of a molar that was there a long time ago so it's really just dinosaurs kind of yeah Yeah. so it it's a i can't really explain its its function there's really not a function for it at this point other than it gets in the way when we ride them <laughs> it's just a, a small tiny little tooth uh that sits right in front of the first molar kind of up against the first molar on generally on top it can be on the bottom we do find them on the bottom but not near as often mm-hmm. um but uh it's often a, a small sharp little tooth that um we keep in mind when we're riding them their head is raised up and so their jaws slid back um so now that little that first kind of half of that upper molar and that little wolf tooth are just sticking out there on their own. So they're in a position where the bit can bump on them and they're, because they're sharp, the cheeks often get pinched and cut against it too. So that's definitely something that we, we remove before they're being ridden Mm -hmm. for the first time. And then, um, we just want to check for the, eliminate any really sharp little edges that have have been exposed. And, uh, I like to give them a bit seat right off the bat. So I want to t- touch on the bit seats a little bit. Right. Uh, it's a totally deceiving name because the two, the bit doesn't really sit 
on in, a tooth. In, yeah. Yes. So uh, really what a bit seat is, is just a, a rounding of the sides and corner of the first molar, both top and bottom. We want to make just a smooth kind of dome shape to that uh, first tooth so that there's nothing for the bit to drag or pinch the cheek tissue against. And uh, so we're really not, in, depending on the type of bit that's being used, more of the um, like gag style Mm -hmm. shanks allow a lot more movement of the the bit itself in their mouth so we can get contact of the bit against the teeth but the bit's not meant to sit on the tooth so bit seat is really not a seat for your bit yeah Um, but it's it's just a a rounding or shaping of that first molar to eliminate that sharp corner that develops to keep the cheeks from getting cut again between the bit and the right that tooth so um from even just from a personal uh like experience the I find those bit seats make a huge difference in really what you feel in your hands when you're riding your horse I find that it helps those horses just stay comfortable with some contact on their face when you're riding them without trying to avoid that pressure Um, they tend to stay more relaxed and comfortable with some contact and they uh, will often stay uh, like when you want to ride them up into the bridle they'll stay comfortable in that position rather than trying to fall away Mm -hmm. from pressure or rooting their nose to try you know get away from the pressure of the bit as well so just having a comfortable you know spot I guess for that or comfortable uh, position in their mouth for that pressure to to ride from the bit is makes a huge difference for them so if we can really set them up for success before they you know go into training then we're eliminating anything for them to be defensive about and I really want those horses to be responsive to pressure rather than reacting to pain in their mouth so from a a riding perspective then yeah yeah before we start those colts is is ideal to do their teeth then and often we find the the colts that maybe have bits or sorry have wolf teeth that have been left in and then ridden, uh, those little teeth will often fracture, but the gum tissue is holding that tooth in place still. So then it's actually a you know, kind of a loose, wiggly little fragment floating around in there. And every time they get pressure from the bit that bumps against it, then usually they get a shocky reaction and their head goes up. And mm-hmm. um, so then that becomes a training issue. And that's going to like set you back in time in the progress of that Colt's training too. So mm-hmm. we want to keep things as comfortable for them doing their job as we can so that yeah, yeah. and pretty cool too that like you have such um experience with training and competing on barrel horses because you can like you felt it in your own horses yeah, I'm sure I you can... float your own horses uh, yes <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm probably like the shoemaker like my my horse's teeth are probably not done near as often yeah. as I tell everyone else to but but I definitely helps when when I experience the difference that it makes mm-hmm. um, even just small changes that that affect how how they go when we ride them so then and it helps me communicate with with my clients as well when I can ask them like how you know what response is your horse giving you when you ride him and then here's some things I can put a a cause and effect I guess to it all that uh, with a lot of the issues we find in their mouth I can relate you know that reaction to the problem that we see in their mouth and mm-hmm. then when we correct that it's probably the most gratifying part of the whole job is to to hear the feedback of the from the clients and the difference that it's made you know in their their training program and and the performance of their horses mm-hmm. um and so 
what is better we talked about yeah the grinding noise of power equipment (laughs) or hand floating or like manual you hear that kind of term thrown around too yeah right and a lot of you know some people that that request that the their teeth are only floated using hand tools um it's because there's a I think a general maybe fear of the power equipment Mm -hmm. and uh so the best way that I could you know, explain the difference between the two is to ask the question of what is better, a screwdriver or a power drill? Totally. So <laughs> it really, analogy. it really depends on the, the, the job, job that you're doing. Yep. For sure. We're not going to build a whole house with a screwdriver. Like <laughs> It's going to take too long and you're not going to be able to get your, the screw put in place deep enough. Um, but I mean, you could, the same thing goes with, with a power drill. Like you can, use the uh you know like you can run a drill slow and put you could put a a really tiny screw into uh something really fragile with power drill if you're really careful with what you're doing and Mm -hmm. you have control of your equipment but then that's also not practical either that's probably something that you'd use a little tiny screwdriver for so it really depends on the correction that we're doing in the horse's mouth Mm -hmm. if there is a big large hook at the back of the horse's mouth that's where the cheeks are the tightest against their, against the outside and their tongue is moving around on the inside of their mouth and there's a lot of pressure when they bite. Even when they have a speculum on, they can put a lot of pressure at the back of their mouth. So if we want to reduce that hook with just a hand float, it can be done, but we're going to be there for a long time. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, very little room um, behind hardly any room really behind that very back molar. The tissue sits up right behind it. And so you have to make like such tiny little movements with a hand float uh, to reduce that hook. Traditionally, before we used power equipment, then um, a tooth that was too long or a big large hook like that was actually cut off with the like a large plier looking um, <laughs> instrument, and we'd we'd actually like cut the molars. Uh, which was all it could be a little bit dangerous um, and cause some fractures of the teeth. It's really hard to get your equipment back there when you have such a yeah. tight, small space to work with. Um, so that's the advantage of having the power equipment now is we can actually be really efficient with it. That disc can sit um, it's conveniently in these, the, basically the same width of a molar, so we can set that disc right exactly where it needs to be on a specific tooth and reduce the height of a tooth or just one little portion of tooth mm-hmm. and and you can if you have good control of your equipment and and you know precise placement and you're proficient with it then we can take one millimeter away from only a, a small portion of a tooth uh and in a very short amount of time like in fragments of or in seconds uh rather than having to you know float in the horse's mouth for a long time so Mm -hmm. there are practitioners that I know of that do a phenomenal job with all hand equipment um but they usually have about 100 pounds and six inches on me so (laughs) I'm 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 a small person for everyone that can't see me or hasn't met me very little (laughs) I'm like 110 pounds yeah and and five four so I'm I'm actually a pretty small person and uh so I I really do rely a majority of the time on my power equipment because I can I can do the job very precisely but also very efficiently mm-hmm. and uh, w- but I that being said I do use my hand instruments when when necessary there are uh, several horses that I get to see on a like six month basis where we maybe just have to you know 
take a few little sharp points away and maybe a little ridge here and there where I can do that unsedated with a hand float. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that horse actually stays really comfortable. He's, he understands kind of what I'm doing now. And, and there are some of them are even better to work on unsedated than they are when they're sedated. So it's, uh, I guess I kind of want to like ease that fear a little bit mm-hmm. that just because the power equipment, you know, is a little louder and it sounds a little, uh, runs a little faster. I mean, you can definitely do some damage with it, but you can do damage with a hand float too when you're, you totally. know, aren't, aren't good with that equipment. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when it comes to, you know, getting the job done in a timely manner, the, the shorter time frame that we can spend, you know, making those corrections, the more comfortable that and settled that horse is going to stay. And mm-hmm. it does get to the point where we can use less sedation or do work on them unsedated once we're, you know, efficient with what we're doing inside their mouth. Mm-hmm. So, so the power equipment is, um, not necessarily necessarily to be feared, but I think it's you know good to understand what we're using, why, for what we're why. doing, what with. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. And then you talked quite a bit there about sedation. So, do all horses need to be sedated to have their teeth float? Like, what is the purpose of sedation when we're floating? Well, I as as a rule, pretty well all the horses that I work on are sedated. There there are those um, exceptions yeah. of the ones that I you know, get to see regularly that, uh, there was one little horse actually that she was missing, um, a patient that I used to have that was missing three of her lower incisors. So she only had a half of her teeth on, on the front. And, um, so then consequently the, the upper ones would get too long. Um, they'd erupt a lot faster. So we'd have to do some small corrections on a, a regular basis. So I got to see her every six months for a majority of her life. And, um, when she was sedated, she was actually an awful little thing to work <laughs> on. She would throw her head and, and roll her head sideways. And she would, uh, it was almost like the, the more you sedated her, the, the more she'd fight through it. Um, and she actually got to where, when I worked on her without any sedation, she, she would stay way more alert and, you know, attentive to what I was mm-hmm. doing. And I, I had a little more control over, um, but when we got to the point where we hardly had to make any correction, I could do that with a hand float unsedated. But, um, the, for a majority of the corrections that we make, I find that I can, I can be more precise and do a more efficient job when those horses are relaxed and sedated. Yeah. And, um, so I think it's, um, maybe I, I find that some clients maybe have the, you know, notion that it's better for them if they're not sedated, mm-hmm. like that it's, you know, maybe a little more natural, but there are definitely horses that even, even when they're sedated, they, um, are you know just not totally comfortable with us sticking our hand in their mouth and, a, yeah, and running some tools in there. On their yeah, whether mouth and whether they're it open and whether it's hand equipment or power equipment, um, they all those horses that are a little more nervous or tense, then they're going to every time they bite down on the speculum, their cheek tissue and their tongue will actually like kind of close in. Uh, over top of the molar at the back so then uh, when they're you know chewing or reacting that way there's way more risk of of nicking that tissue and then they're going to be more defensive you get you know bumping things that you shouldn't be bumping in there and um and that horse is going to be more you know on edge and more defensive and then it gets even harder to get the job done precisely Mm -hmm. and so I really think it's when that horse is is relaxed and we can get our job done efficiently. They really don't have to be sedated very long, but we can be, um, you know, like just do the best job we can 
for that horse. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't there it doesn't have those horses don't have to be sedated, but I do think we can provides a bit more comfort for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Definitely. Well, Ali, I think those are all the questions that I have for you. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? I mean, you did say that you talk a lot with your hands, so it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting that at the end of the month, uh, the last Friday of the month, which I think is the 29th. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, is the 29th. At 3 o'clock, uh, we are going to be doing our very first sports therapy lecture of the year with you. It's going to be on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to be wringing skulls and teeth and all sorts of yeah, things. We'll and we'll props. be able to see your hands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Demonstration. And um, and I think then it really gives people an opportunity to see a little bit more of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. uh, especially because we can't see our own horse's teeth on a regular basis. So when we can use some some skulls and demonstrations that way, it uh, I think it just helps Put, totally. Yeah. Image to the words a little bit. And, and at that point, then we can go more in depth on the problems that we you know commonly see and that need to be corrected, uh, to maintain that balance in the horse's mouth, but also we're going to relate the performance to the, you know, the corrections, right. um, explain kind of how those problems that show up really have an effect on how the horse performs, no matter what discipline they're in. It doesn't matter if it's Western pleasure or racing, dressage and, and jumping or like speed events in the timed events in the Western disciplines. There are so many things that uh, I think really just the communication we have with that horse relies so much on that contact uh, on their mouth. Yeah. So um, we can explain a little more in depth of, you know, how we can relate to the performance of the horse and why it's important for them. Well, that's awesome. I think this is a great tool too, to listen to this and then kind of get your questions ready in two weeks. Allie will be back to answer all the questions we have. All the things. I know it's, there's others actually, there's so much to it that we, I mean, we don't realize until you get into it and then it's, um, we can go one step further, dive into it a little bit more and yeah. So awesome. this will be a good precursor to that. Anyway. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited. I think, um, yeah, now I'm like, okay, float everything. <laughs> keep, exactly. We need to keep them alive for as long as possible with we those erupting to, teeth. <laughs> we need to check them all. And, you know, probably one of those other questions that I, I hear a lot is, um, you know, people will say, well, can, I just want you to check his mouth. Like, I don't think he needs, yeah, I don't think do his teeth need to lot. be done, but can you just check him? And uh, often when it comes to the performance of the horse, there are so many small things, small changes we can make that really help them do their job better. Um, I, even as simple as, as rounding the edges and giving them a good bit seat so that I, it's, I, I will check any horse that needs to be the looking's free and, and we definitely don't need to sedate them just to check their teeth. We can put a speculum on, on like 99% of the horses. I think there's only ever been two that I've come across that, um, maybe needed a little sedation just to yeah. put a speculum on them. But, uh, for the, for, you know, the general rule, we can check them any horse unsedated, but there's always a little something that I yeah. can find that's, that's just going to help the horse. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily from health perspective, but the performance side of it. So it, I usually um, say, well, if they haven't been looked at or have their teeth haven't been done in in the last six months, let alone a year, I'm going to find something we're going <laughs> to, we can help them out for sure. So it, um, 
it really is kind of just it does become a general maintenance plan part of their their general maintenance yeah, plan so. part of like everything yeah. that we do when it comes to like soundness and everything else it's yeah. just part of that routine and i'm so excited when we when we do our uh, zoom lecture to mm-hmm. relate the that the balance of the horse's mouth to the rest of their body so when we're talking about right the, you know the um like preventative medicine that we do at Energy Equine uh, as far as keeping the joints healthy and the rest of their body balanced and the uh, especially working with, with our the body workers we have on our team as well that the balance of their mouth has such an effect on how they carry themselves how they go in collection how they perform that it does have an effect on on their on their hawks and their stifles and their back and so a lot of the other parts of their body that we do regular you know, maintenance on, Mm -hmm. um, is, can greatly be affected by the balance of their mouth. So we'll get into that a little bit more too, about putting all the pieces together. And, and it definitely is like just one piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. as important as it is. It's the dentistry is really just one big piece of it. So yeah. And working, and like you just touched on working with your whole team, like the vet, the body worker, you, and just making sure everyone's yeah working together for the best outcome for your pony. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ali. Can't wait for the zoom call. Um, and yeah, if anyone does have any questions or they want some clarification on the topic you can always shoot us an email to eeoffice at energyequine.ca or send us a facebook or instagram message and we will compile them all and we'll get to that um, faq section in the zoom call friday january 29th yeah that'll be great it definitely helps keep me on track yeah no you're you're great i could listen you talk about dentistry all day long (laughs) thanks so much ellie i really appreciate it you're welcome thanks for having me